This episode of How Long Gone is brought to you by Nissan. As a pioneer in the electric vehicle space, Nissan is always looking for ways to deliver new, meaningful technologies to EV owners. After all, Nissan has been making EVs since 1947. Their EVs have now traveled 8 billion miles by Nissan Leaf owners since 2010. Yes, my friend, that is 8 billion with a B, the equivalent of driving to Pluto and back, which is not a real planet. Think that's electrifying? One of their EVs trekked all the way to the North Pole, where all the uh, underground government military bases are run. And Nissan even tests their EV technology on the Formula E racetrack. But Nissan knows that you don't get an EV just for the E. You get a Nissan EV because it makes you feel electric, because it sparks your imagination, it ignites something within you, it pins you to your seat, and it... (gasps) takes your breath away uh, at least that's what nissan thinks about when designing their evs like the nissan aria and the famous nissan leaf it's about creating a thrilling design that electrifies its customers nissan's focus on creating a thrilling drive and an electrifying life on today's world it's so important to look around you to pay attention to look for all the tiny ways life can electrify you uh, i like to feel electric um by going to dinner um, trying new foods and then being late to my own podcast recording so that my host gets mad at me. But we recover um, because I never do that. So every once in a while, I need to electrify my life. That's called edging. <laughs> Nissan EVs that electrify. How long gone? Uh, Chris Black coming to you live from um, Chris Storer's office on the set of The Bear Season 2 in Chicago. Um, I have my feet kicked up. I'm disrespecting his property. Um, And, uh, you know, it feels good to be in like a real office setting with lots of people kind of running around, Jason. Yeah, let me paint a picture. We got storyboards behind you. Could you explain what, what that is exactly and what episode, what season and <laughs> what what <laughs> Yeah. I so I've been here for I've been here for like forty eight hours. Uh I, I had to meet with, with Chris and his partners on some other stuff, but they were shooting so I, I got to see I got to go to set today and kind of see them at work. And you know, I've been with these guys. We went to dinner last night, you know, the whole thing. And they haven't given me one iota of plot. It's incredible how they talk around it. They've given me nothing. No guest stars, no plot twists, no idea of what's happening. Which is which is kind of interesting because you really do not give off the energy of somebody who honestly gives two flying shits about the plot of any TV show. It's true, but I think because they they are I think that's just like how, what they're used to behavior-wise. Yeah. So it's just I, I get the same treatment, but um yeah, it's been interesting. I I've never been on a television set before. Um, so it's pretty wild to kind of be in the kitchen, you know, watching it all go down with Maddie Matheson breathing in my ear. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, it's romantic as it can be. But Chris, um, Chris and his his partners uh, have been um, Josh and Cooper have been great hosts. But they, they, you know, Chris is kind of like a snappy dresser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wears a tie every day to work, which I seeing it in action has done i'm like okay this really is something like he's in charge so it really works for him it's not like he's the fucking guy driving me home you know i'm the sprinter right so i think it 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 works but yeah it's been it's been a full 
Um, I had to come to Chicago to get Hollywood, Jason, and it's a twist I didn't <laughs> yeah, see it's coming. Kind of, it's kind of interesting because you found the one television producer who dresses well, I guess, and also <laughs> it's sort of scratching your itch or you're able to move between the worlds of fashion and television seamlessly, no pun intended, you know, around... <laughs> You know, it's basically like Tom Brown himself is directing this television show. Yeah. Um, you know, set in gritty Chi Town. It's it's crazy, yeah, when you pull up and the director's got the Byredo candle on his desk and he's wearing Drake's. It's it does I did feel a warm hug when I walked in here. Honey, I'm home. I know, and you know, somebody you know what's really impressive, actually, this is insane. Um yesterday, you know, we put in a coffee order and and you know, whatever. This morning I sh- I show up mm-hmm. for for day two. The assistant brings coffee for me, same order. Didn't even I, I didn't even know she knew I was going to be here. Oh, shit. Yeah, so pro. It was like really impressive. She was like, all the milk cortado. And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, all right, yeah, here we go. Same as yesterday. And I was just like, damn, I'm really impressed. Well-oiled machine. Okay, so it feels like, because like back in the day, I know that you know we reminisce of the day, you know, if you've read the CAA book and everything, movie sets hollywood glitz and glamour and then tv was sort of the stepchild in the in the in the bunch yeah and it it, does it feel as if the tables have turned a lot you know at all i mean obviously people say that television is sort of you know where it's at compared to cinema um thanks to streaming but do do you feel like a a resurgence or a renaissance of of television well i think it's just like like anything else any other industry i think where the if money is being made if something is 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 successful and winning awards and making money then the the situation is going to be good and i think that's that's the truth Mm -hmm. across the board in most in most places um but yeah I, i think that the like watching them rehearse and do the i mean it's it's really i've never been in this situation before so it's really interesting to watch and i think it's like um you know i got to i was sitting in video village with the headphones on you know what i'm saying i was really in my i was really oh, in my no. fucking bag oh, no. and they're all getting it they all they all love it because they're just like look at this fucking idiot <laughs> you know what i mean like having the having the best time you like jeremy can you do that one more time just try it one more time i just you know i don't know man i just we got i think we got it but I, just <laughs> one more time it just wasn't exact it's not for me yeah chris was like bro i know your name is chris but that's kind of my job but you know we we worked through <laughs> it um we were able to work through it but yeah the sun the sun's out i got to go to the uh ralph lauren restaurant with with ben edgar the, the mayor of chicago on sunday night when i got in so it's been a pretty successful trip <laughs> to the midwest which is so a great trip so you had hashtag set life you got to eat i'm assuming uh a lightly cooked piece of fish with Ben Edgar. What else do you need, right? It's it's. I mean, I went to Maddie, Maddie, Josh, uh, and Cooper, and Rick took me to Nobu last night, where something interesting happened. Jason, first of all, Maddie ordered. I mean, it was five guys. He ordered the fifty piece nigiri, which felt like some real fifty fifty piece. <laughs> well, first yeah, of all, Illinois, piece. what a great sushi <laughs> sushi state, but. <laughs> was it fifty piece straight for him, or was that no, no, it was it shareies? It was for the table, but then the the he he ordered the uni as well, and he took a bite of the uni, and his his face looked, you know, he didn't look well, and he was like, "This uni tastes like diarrhea." I'm like, "I'm not a big uni guy, yeah. but uni, I, I I understand." And it was he he had to say something. Yeah, he he walked up privately and was like, "Hey, man, that uni, there might be something." off with that i the last time i ordered uni i did that actually the second to last you you had the same situation where you were like this doesn't taste right and somebody was like and you you went and had to had to approach the bench yeah but i handled it very very low key i mean i basically because the problem is like it's pretty like if you love uni 
you sort of know or yeah for our listeners at home we're talking about sea urchin row um <laughs> for it's a li- delicacy for a, list- a, a lot of people might not know yeah no you're right you're right it is a delicacy it's it will it's we have we have fans all over the world but expensive like, too i mean that's part of the it's, it's it's very expensive it's very delicate you know it's it's harvested there's a lot of labor and cost and and when you taste really good uni you're like oh fuck this is so good it's so crazy so when it's it's very easy to tell when you've got diarrhea uni and when you're paying like fucking thirty dollars for a bite of it yeah it needs to be you're goddamn right I'm, I'm yeah but yeah i walk up to the server kind of on the low and just be like hey just to let you know i think the uni kind of turned a little bit and they're they're usually kind of embarrassed if it's a reputable establishment like nobu uh, i guess if it, re- <laughs> if it really was a reputable establishment they would never serve you yeah, diarrhea <laughs> uni but that's uh that's, that's another thing. we don't have enough time for that what is the well my question to you then is jason i know you're not a i know you're not you know a sushi chef but how fast can the uni turn you know what i mean is it like really within like a 12 hour period it could it could go wrong i would say i mean like with all fish you know this as soon as it dies it's it's getting worse and worse with time um and you don't really want to freeze sea urchin i would say you know i I wouldn't want to have it more than 24 hours okay if you're if you're doing it expensive but you know the they have to fly i prefer santa barbara to hokkaido myself of course no and i in terms of uh, carbon i I think they're as well as flavor i think they're able to harvest a nice batch in lake michigan i could be wrong but it's maybe that was maybe that was maybe maybe that was the issue the temperature of the water in lake michigan just wasn't right look the drinking water in flint i would not fill up your nalgene with it but it does something so crazy to the sea urchin i can't explain it <laughs> i think like, it's gonna turn this city around um yeah that's that's really all i've got to report it's been a, it's been a, like i said it's been are you ever gonna come back or are you just shy pilled well i was a little bit I, i've been hanging around enough and i've been making friends kind of in all facets of the business you know i'm talking to the prop master the teamsters are loving me because maddie's wearing his carhartt you know and they think i'm with him mm-hmm. um but i'm a little I, yeah i haven't been it's weird because i haven't been asked to kind of you know walk by in the background or maybe order a sandwich or anything so maybe it's just Uh, it could just it could just be the shooting schedule or something you know i think that your star power could end up being distracting as an extra in the background because people are instantly gonna it's gonna break the internet it's gonna break the fx no i know and be like holy shit there go chris black and then suddenly i'm taken out of the plot line no and and eben is walking around in his full costume yesterday which i was really feeling like the kind of like kind of motorcycle leather jacket with like the track pants and the bear the original beef of chicagoland t-shirt on and i was like i like that i like that you feel that everybody feels this comfortable you know and i was like maybe i maybe that's my problem though is that i'm not kind of my costume i just look like a guy that works at an ad agency unfortunately so maybe i maybe if i dressed for the part (laughs) that i want they would kind of see me differently yeah right now it looks like the part that you want is when I'm at um, when I'm at a bookstore <laughs> and I ask to speak to the manager, you're the motherfucker who come out. <laughs> They're like the part you're looking for is is no, we're not gonna we're not gonna make any of the male characters gay. You cannot be their boyfriend. That is not kind of we can't change the script for you, dude. You're only here for two days. Look, I kind of yeah, need upset. to be. I kind of do need to be someone's boyfriend in the show. Yeah, it's pretty important, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. So, do you feel like you know when people say like it can almost be inhibiting when you. Or sort of imagine yourself to be in a position like you you're you're sort of playing the role of a, a television producer at low level, but still 
Uh, gotta start somewhere. Associate producer. Okay. Associate producer. So, you, so you're sort of role playing as an AP. Does that mean you in like you're subconsciously you're going to think that you are an actual AP and you have put in the work to achieve this? So thusly, you'd never have to try to shoot for these stars ever again, <sighs> hindering your ability to actually be an AP IRL. No, I don't think so. I think I've made some strides in Hollywood in these couple days, and I, I think that like the dividends will reveal themselves. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to push too far. I don't want to ask too many questions. I just kind of want to sit back, have the experience. And then return back to New York and my humble life there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, kind of uh, have to get my own coffees. Your little life. Um, but we do have a we do have a guest today. Um, he's one of my favorite photographers of, of all time, Roe Etheridge. Um, he spent a lot of time uh, growing up in Atlanta, which we have in common, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very excited to talk about, as you know. But you've seen he just had a show. Um, I could go in uptown. Uh, his new monograph is out now. You can get that uh, wherever uh, books are sold. American Polychronic, which has nothing to do with marijuana after some Googling. Exactly. Uh, and Roe, we're, we're very lucky to have him. He's one of the only guests where usually when I'm on my um, silly little dog walks with Bay, she'll be like, oh, who's on the pod today? And I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, mm, whatever. Okay. Even if it's a famous person, she's like, Sick, cool. Cool. And then when I was like, oh, we got Roe Etheridge on today, she like spit out her fucking coffee basically just like, <laughs> what? Are you fucking sick? You know? That's, that's, just, that's, I do it for Carolyn. You know that. I do it for Carolyn. Mm-hmm. The booking department, we're focused on stuff like that. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's give, uh, Roe a jingle and, uh, find out what he's, uh, what he's up to. Yeah. And I need to know how Andrew WK's face got all bloody for that pig. <laughs> Ro, are you wearing your own merch just quickly? I am. It's it's <laughs> it's not mine per se. It's uh Etude is the Okay, you brand. did a collaboration. You did a collaboration. Yeah. Okay. So this is not your collection of Row by Row Etheridge. <laughs> no, I'm also promoting Row by Row Etheridge. Well, it's not that, I guess I'm gonna have to change the name of my company or something. Uh Row by Row. So Mary Kate and Ashley are cool with it. Yeah, they'll leave you alone. <laughs> exactly the row. <laughs> yeah, actually have you ever have you ever shot Ro, first question. You ever shot Mary Kate or Ashley Olsen? No, but I did do a campaign for them very early on, which was it was funny that Ro did the row. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is funny. I'm sure the jokes were flying on set that day, right? I don't really remember, yeah. but it, it, yeah, there, there was some at some point. How could they not have? It wasn't lost on anyone. So. That's good because yeah, I think if you, I, I could see you doing the row R O E, and that really, you know, that would cause some litigious behavior from those two. Um, but you could probably get away with row by row. I think that feels a little safer. Yeah. Diffusion line. I mean, the, the spelling has been, um, you know, uh, speaking of jokes about my name, you know, it's like my whole life, right? <laughs> <laughs> you row your boat, you know, is a popular song amongst children. And sure. sure. I was like, it's not spelled that way. <laughs> oh, it's not funny, you know? <laughs> and then, and then you grew up in the South. So kind of the catfishing community probably made a lot of jokes regarding bait and things like that, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, so I still say it, you know, like fish eggs mm-hmm. so that, you know, I can sort of like say that instead of like, Abortion, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a little cool. That's a little easier. Didn't to even think about that one. No, I got a lot of uh, people sending me like New York uh, Times headlines that were like, uh, "Roe is dead." And I was like, "Well, 
long live row, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, rude. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously you've been asked about your name a zillion times, I'm sure, but, you know, it, it seems like it's one of those very unique, interesting names that you would get growing up in the West Village with funky parents who give you that name, but exactly. growing up uh -huh. in like suburban uh -huh. Atlanta, yeah, it also has the energy of like one of those kind of cool southern names that have sort of fallen by the wayside but have like a little it is you know chris i'm sure you have a bunch of examples of names like that as well like huck or something you know no there's are but it's like there's like wasp names that you learn from living in new york yeah. you know where it's always a short form it's like it doesn't really make sense and somebody explains it to you and you're like so you got that from elizabeth like okay sure yeah yeah, yeah. we can do that <laughs> yeah but but in the south in the south i think there probably are some like maybe like, like a tarl with a t or something <laughs> yeah there's some i mean because even my dad's middle name being lamar you know that's insane <laughs> yeah you know, like my dad's middle name being lamar is crazy that has to be southern there's no reason for him to like that's not our lineage or something yeah. you know what i mean yeah no my my name on my birth certificate is Roy Monroe Etheridge the third. So it is very Southern. Oh, uh, my dad grew up in Albany, Georgia, which is like, you know, oh, like yeah. close to the Alabama border. And, um, you know, it's like one of those things where uh, he said he grew up being called Sonny, little Roy <laughs> junior. And like every other thing you could call <laughs> if you're a second. Anything they can. And so when that, they decided to stick with the third, that they, they were going to, Pick a nickname so that everybody would just use one nickname, and Roe was what it was from Monroe. <laughs> That's good parenting. So, it, but but so you're saying it kind of combines your first and middle name. No, well, it's taking the R O E off of Monroe. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I got it now. Yeah, okay. I, I like the idea of everyone sitting down to sort of take a a country folk vote <laughs> on on what the youngins' nickname is going to be while they're eating pecans off their. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gather around, y'all. We're fixing the name row for good. <laughs> Time to decide what the what the boy child's name will be. <laughs> boy child, y'all sit down. <laughs> I I haven't thought about Albany Albany Georgia in a very long time. That's some Jason. You think you think that I have southern roots? Like <laughs> Albany is some real shit. I re I reckon that's uh reckon that's two ticks down from Chattahoochee, right? You ain't ready for that, Jason. You ain't ready for that. <laughs> down by the creek. Did you go there? Exactly. Did, now, did you go there growing up to like visit family and like ride four wheelers and shit? Uh, I, we did go to the family reunion in Thomasville. Oh yeah. For a few years. And as you can see here, your listeners can't see I'm wearing a Florida State hat. Go Seminoles. <laughs> Go no. So um, <laughs> so both my parents went there. My uncle went there. Um lots of family and my great aunt was at FSU and it was a women's college. Oh I, I didn't know it was ever a women's college. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a, a within the football rivalry. That's like a joke that often comes up. Like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, it's a girls' school or whatever. You know? Like, oh, oh, I see. <laughs> Basically, you guys are a bunch of pussies. Okay, I got <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, we showed them this year. So fuck, <laughs> fuck you, Gators. Fuck you, Kane. Sorry. You know, better luck. <laughs> okay. Next year. So this, this, I like this. I like this Florida because you know I actually. Funnily enough, I have a lot of deep connections to Tallahassee because there was a 
thriving hardcore scene there oh yeah when i was growing up and we would drive there to play shows and go to shows oh no so shit. spent like a lot of time in tallahassee so you, and you played at planet 10 yeah yeah i've been to and there was also what was the other place there was the the place it was like a it was like a um oh my god it was kind of like a like a commune a little bit yeah and band bands would play there was like a rec center that like bands would play in. yeah that was further it was in the woods a little bit north. it was in the woods a little yeah bit. it was where darth vader's church used to live what is darth what, that is, was what like, is darth vader's church pardon me <laughs> they were a thrash thrash band <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i forget the name of that place but that that was still like at that time i i was there from 87 to 89 okay okay but yeah planet 10 i mean i just got uh, somebody just sent me pictures from uh government issue shit, shit. Yeah. uh there's pictures of uh you know like with my flannel shirt with the pocket ripped off and i'm like oh, of course like you know <laughs> <laughs> um and then i saw henry rollins first tour sick yeah. you know uh as henry rollins band and you know the stage there was like like you know two yeah. by four it was like four inches high i love when they I, I love when the stage is literally two by four height yeah. you know it's like what are we doing <laughs> is this really i don't know if this makes a difference like you, really you couldn't you know? see henry because he's like uh you know he's bent over the whole time like doing the thing yeah. and so yeah. you know you're standing looking down at henry rollins while he's like i was like try not to bump into him because you don't want to like stop the show or be you know get punched beaten to death yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah he's not the sweetest guy tallahassee's a <laughs> tallahassee's a really funny place though it is because it's like it's one of those cities that you can't believe is the capital i know right of the state yeah you know what i mean because it feel i mean obviously the university is really big and like the football program is really big so there's all this stuff there but it was a funny it was kind of sleepy though in its own way yeah it never felt it didn't feel big even like when you would go there when like school was in session it didn't feel like crazy because i because yeah. i used to go to athens all the time athens feels fucking insane if there's a football game oh it's, yeah it's a different totally different thing yeah i mean you know i think the the population it always felt like the population of tallahassee like was cut in half you know as soon as the semester ended i spent my summer there and i guess it was 88 and uh 89 as well and so it was great to like be in this like whatever the mossy oak yeah you know south yeah uh and like nobody around just your friends and you know getting into trouble uh but also <clears throat> you know i i guess because so much of my family has either lived there or still live there it, it did feel a little bit like i was uh visiting yeah yeah a kind of home you know it's like I, it's like i'm not gonna live here i'm not gonna say i'm gonna go to art school i'm gonna get the fuck out of this town but at the same time it was like i don't know it's like, i guess it's a normal thing in any region but for the south it really felt like yeah. it was like this sort of iconic mm -hmm. swampy southern thing you know it's like a particular <laughs> one of america's most iconic swamps yeah exactly. <laughs> top, top exactly. swamps top swamps they all exist in, <laughs> yeah. they all exist in florida and new orleans maybe but you know we gotta we gotta yeah. divvy up the pot yeah i mean i tell yeah. jason all the time like once you live in you know I, i've lived in new york 
or LA for you know f- over 15 years, so I haven't been I haven't lived in Atlanta a really long time. But I, I when I I just feel a draw to it more now than I ever have because when you leave, you're like, yeah, this they don't get it, man. They don't understand me. This place is stuck in. They're the gonna past. regret yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then you and then you get older and you're like, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah, you you can, know what I'm saying? It's a nice quality you can of live life. Live a normal life. There's like yeah, now, you can now live there's, a normal there's life. good places to eat. It's not just like you know whatever zestos and the varsity or whatever you know damn yeah yeah exactly yeah it's not just like a hot dog and french fries there's real i mean i love i do now that we're saying i i remember the euclid avenue hot dog i think they had chili dog you know it was like the yacht club you know yeah Yeah, yacht club is still yacht club is still there i heard i heard actually some friends of mine just they they went to the bill callian show and then uh went to the yacht club afterwards and it was like we don't even like like look at other people while we're there it's like we're as and they don't look at us it's like we're just like 50 year old men who sort of like <laughs> yes, are yes, to yes. to not be seen you know <laughs> well this is what happens though this is what happens like when jason because we do shows there and, and, and jason's come to visit for us to write and you know jason's come a few times hang out with me and it's always like I only want to go to Elmir and like the shitholes that I went to when yeah. I was there, live there. And there's all these new amazing places. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we can go do that. But you don't, it's not top of the heap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You want, you want to go relive a little something or at least feel that like warm hug of, of something that you recognize. Yeah. Um, and it, it's tough because of the city that's grown that much. There is like so much to go see now. No, it's true. You know, it's exploded. No, it's a, it's totally a different place. Than it was. I mean, I left uh, Atlanta for New York in '97, so you know it was kind of um, starting to. I guess like you know, our, there was more of a you know talk about the Beltline and yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, doing yeah. doing different things, and it just seemed like yeah, right, like that's gonna do anything, and then it sure, turned out to yeah, do yeah, everything. I, yeah, I was like, fucking a man, this place Damn, is weird. So you're gonna build a trail and put a Kroger next to it, and this is gonna, this is gonna. You know that that Kroger's called Murder Kroger, right? <laughs> I told you that, Jason. Yeah. It's called Murder Kroger. The, I mean, there's a Disco Kroger and a Murder Kroger, which are really two sides of, of the two sides of the My same. Two coin favorite things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so much. I mean, it's funny because like I do, I. I go on those trips with Chris and I don't have any nostalgic connection to these places, mm-hmm. but it is fun to see him kind of light up as he eats one of the shittiest burritos I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like Dude. as I'm, pe- as I'm peeing in one of the dirtiest bathrooms of my entire life. And I'm like, this is so anti the Chris that I know that it's so interesting to see a glimpse of this because we all have our versions of that where it's like, Look, guys, I know this sucks. I know you're not going to like this, but like I have to do this for me. And as somebody who loves me, yeah. you have to fucking do it, too. I'm just sorry. Those are the rules. You're going to just think you're the scar that you'll have from it. You'll cherish you exactly. know, later. My, my scars tell a story and they say exactly. I did a lot of coke in this bathroom. <laughs> Exactly. That's what all my scar. That's what all my scars say. Did you, did you guys go to uh, Claremont Lounge? No, because it's Jason actually stayed at the Claremont Hotel because you know they've redone it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, the lounge. I, I believe the lounge is. I believe they've left it alone. I think that was part of the deal is that they can redo the hotel. Mm-hmm. And it was actually Jason. You like staying there? It wasn't bad, was it? It's a it's a sweet little hotel that I really enjoy. And it. But when you go there on like. A Tuesday and you check in and there's just like a guy at the coffee shop being like, hey, you're going to go see the 
war on drugs concert this weekend <laughs> would you like we have a really good brownie if you and then on friday night it's like blackout hillbillies with 24 <laughs> packs of, of bud light just like oh fucking fuck i'll fucking kill you bro like we're just walking you know but that's it's, it's a strange that's but, i mean that's it that's atlanta over there that's atlanta and it's also the location of that is so good like at least for the life that i live there like the idea of staying in the middle of ponce de leon when all of my haunts when it was the local or mjq or all that stuff is right there mm-hmm. so it's like makes so much sense in my mind whereas like jason i'm sure would prefer to stay in Buckhead, he doesn't give a shit about being able to walk right. to like a, a bar to have hot wings. Like he does not care. <laughs> but but that's I don't give him much of a choice. You know what I mean? So it's uh we 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 find a way around it. Um, Ro, I wanted I wanted to talk about the book. I, I made a joke okay. at the beginning of the sh- of the beginning of the show saying I was surprised that American Polychronic had nothing to do with marijuana. But I I I know that Polychronic is a real word. But the way that you sort of use it is a little different than I guess like the Webster's definition which is sort of like a multitasker I guess which you kind of are in in photography but you're using it as a way of saying the there's no chronological order that's happening it's sort of going in multiple directions yeah sort of I mean that the the structure of the book and I've you know I think at some point just to like take it back a little bit I realized that as a photographer living in New York uh, that, you know, I was interested in, you know, both, uh, fine art or whatever you want to call it, like, uh, art world and, uh, editorial and commercial, editorial and commercial, fair enough. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what I sort of kept them separate and tried to get work yeah and then, you know, also like work on my thesis based conceptual photography or whatever. And at some point, uh, I think in 99, I took a picture for Allure magazine and, it was a how to put on lipstick shoot. Sure. And okay. sure. the model I, I remember well. sh- showed up and <laughs> had this like the worst chapped lips that I'd seen <laughs> in a while. Like, I don't even know what we're going to do here. Like it was, it was a medical issue. <laughs> it already feels like it's a art project without, I haven't done anything yet. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 <laughs> and you so I remember, <laughs> yeah, this is perfect, but not for, not for allure, but for my project, you know, but at that point, I, I can remember putting the the Polaroid down from the shoot next to all my like, you know, I'm like reading Wittgenstein and trying to figure out like how I can be smart and philosophical in my artwork. And then but there's this portrait of a girl with red lips that are very chapped uh, lipstick over chapped lips. And it, it was just like that that image just smoked all of my thesis kind of, you know, smart work. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I just have to accept it. This is who I am, you know, and like, I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm polluting my, you know, artwork with commercial work, then, then I'm, you know, whatever the, the swamp thing, you know, back to the swamp, you know, I'm, I, that's who I am. And so <clears throat> it felt like it was um, a way to tell the truth or a truth that was part of being a photographer in New York at that time. Mm-hmm. I took a while, you know, at that point, layouts were made with Quark, Remember Quark? Yeah, the pro the program. Yeah, so I got Quark, and I was like, "This is not easy." I thought I could figure this out, <laughs> but like three months later, somebody said, well, "You should try InDesign." So then I got InDesign, and that was much more like intuitive, and I I sort of figured out that I could do my own sequencing. I think at that point, I thought fu- I thought, okay, so this is really this is the next thing for me, where I'm like not 
just printing stuff out on my little office printer and like laying things out on the floor to look at a sequence, but I'm sort of like making the whole musical score in InDesign. And that that format of the book, that transformed it for me. And so ever since then, I've thought of myself as like, you know, I, I can do these various things as a photographer. I can sort of, you know, it's like uh, when you're a kid and you do odd jobs, you know, around the neighborhood to make money. It's like, I can walk the dog. I can, you know, get my dad's edger and do your, you know, mm -hmm. I can cut the lawn. I can pick up your mail, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's your service. Exactly. Well, I, I was, I was wondering about the sequencing because, um, you know, since you are of, um, you know, you're a little older than we are and the current generation now, everything feels so digital and feels so, you know, computer-based, iPad-based, whatever. And I was wondering if, you know, you have the, the, the benefit of having, you know, a couple decades worth of photos and you get to sequence them in a certain way. Yeah. And I was wondering if you were, if you were the type of person that prints everything out and lays it on the floor to see like, okay, that shark photo has the same facial expression as this female model. So I'll put those together. Or is it just like, are you using InDesign or are you putting them yeah, up on the wall? Like It's all InDesign. And it's like, uh, I, you know, I've had people say like, how do you do it or whatever? And I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, well, you just zoom out and zoom back in and you know, like. <laughs> so let me tell, let me tell you how the computer works, guys. You can <laughs> yeah. zoom out, right? You don't have to, you don't have to put waste all the paper. I don't need <laughs> any boards to pin because people love pinning stuff on boards because it looks cool. That's what, uh, that's why people hey, like. What's that behind you? This is not mine. I'm in, I'm in a friend's, oh, okay. I'm, in a, I'm in a friend's <laughs> office. Um, and I do think for this purpose, it's a TV show, so it, like it, it makes sense. But I think that like that makes more sense overall. Yeah. People love to see the image of the photographer, like just the floor covered in pages of the book and the layout. Is uh, just, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling over the layout, but I think this book, because I have, I mean, I have most of your books oh, um, right. from over the years, but but this one is is does feel like all encompassing, and I have this. I feel like I've had this discussion before with with photographer friends or whoever, and I'm like, mm -hmm. just put all the good stuff in there. Like we don't need, yeah. you know what I mean? If you're really trying to show what you're capable of, if that's the goal, yeah, then just mix it up and let people enjoy it. I don't think it needs to be so partitioned. Yeah, I think that for me there was also something about this that was um, uh, in 2000. What was it? 2016. I had a survey show in Cincinnati. Worked with the curator. It was great, uh, Kevin Moore. Um, Cincinnati Contemporary Arts Center for Photo Focus. It was great. It was incredible. What an opportunity. But following that, you know, there's something slower and more deliberate about that institutional thing. And I was really psyched to do something um, that would be retrospective, but wouldn't be uh, sort of beholden to the curator and the institution, but more like you're saying, like, what do you want people to see? You know, it's like, it's not <laughs> yeah, just like yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what does, you know, what qualifies as an artwork or what qualifies as a good fashion picture or commercial still life. It's like, no, no, no. This is like the test with polychronic <clears throat> American polychronic was to it. The, the commercial work goes from 22 to 99 sequentially. The, the exhibition artworks go from 99 to 22. So it was a little bit of a test to see, can these things over this past, you know, 23 years, can they juxtapose? Can they sit with each other? Does that create another juxtaposition yeah. in this like two decades time frame? So it was challenging, but it was also like that thing where um, 
I don't know. It's like, can you do 15 pull-ups and then you do 16 pull-ups and you're like, fuck, yes, I can do 15. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I could do 15 pull-ups now, but when I was in high school, that was a big deal. Metaphorically <laughs> speaking, you could do sure. 15 pull-ups. We, exactly. we got it. We got it. The analogy. I think, I, I think that when you, when you create those weird rules or boundaries of just like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, one day you're just hanging out looking out the window and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll do my reverse chronological editorial shoots juxtaposed with my, uh, double reversed, uh, <laughs> commercial workshops and we'll see what, you know, it's like, it's like lifting up a rock and seeing what crawls out. You absolutely su- dude. suddenly these new compositions that you would have never considered show themselves are, are appearing for you. And then if they don't appear, then you can just rejigger them until yeah something cool does work i think no, that's I, I mean it, that's an amazing idea and it, it also happened at a at kind of just the right time <laughs> or just the wrong time or whatever but uh <laughs> you know i the, in 2019 i was like okay i really want to do this and was talking to different publishers and um i work with uh mac books michael mac mm-hmm. and uh i wasn't sure if he'd be into it or not and he was like you know i think we could do a great job and i'm like i'm sure you could but i thought maybe this is supposed to be more like a popular <laughs> publisher or something that's like not so specialized or something <laughs> yeah 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 i'm sure i'm sure you could you got you know anybody bigger you know what i mean that i could talk to yeah that's cool michael thanks so much but i was thinking like <laughs> i was thinking maybe i could make money on this one for a chance <laughs> exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um you know, once once I got the green light from him, that was in the fall of t- 2019, and to start thinking about titles and stuff like that. And then by winter of 2020, it was like, well, I guess I have something to work on here. You know, like starting in <laughs> yeah uh, March March 11th of you know 2020, it was like I-, I could see it in my computer. I think it was like April 4th, 2020, American Polychronic. Like I had the name, and then you know I live work studio here so i was like down in the basement going through shit doing that crazy covid time travel yeah. thing. i don't know if that happened to you guys where you're just like it's like you know you almost fall into the well you know and um and so it was it was a good timing because you know uh, i have the material and i have the time and no one's emailing to say like you know what time do you want the hair and makeup to show up or you know like <laughs> sure. can you please send a pdf of your most recent work like it was quiet <laughs> <laughs> yeah a blessing a blessing for some people yeah i mean Indeed. i yeah I, I think it was yeah you used your time wisely not everyone did jason got really good at sourdough but that didn't really pay off in the same way <laughs> so it's no i got really good at making this podcast okay that's true that's true that's true i'll give you that. that's something yeah that's something yeah that's something that's something and kettlebells <laughs> ro you you mentioned earlier about you know sort of walking the line between commercial and editorial work and you sort of referred to yourself as a swamp thing as if being able to navigate the worlds of commercial photography and editorial or artistic photography is a bad thing and but i think that's sort of the the dream or the 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 dragon <clears throat> that everyone in your position <clears throat> excuse me that everyone in your position is chasing because you want to be able to create beautiful art that impresses people and also be rich so like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly do you consider like what what is your philosophy on the ratio of one for you one for them or if somebody's listening and they want to try to figure out how to 
ride that perfect line between co- commercial and editorial. Do you have any philosophy or advice for them? Oh man, uh, I did have to answer this question recently. In fact, I it, it was going to be a promo piece for for the book that I sent to Mac, and I was like, I don't know, does that work? They're like, it's great, and then they never used it. So I was like, maybe it wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> if your answer is bad, I will make it good in in post. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm an audio retoucher. I, I mean, I do remember. Oh, good. Thank you. That's uh, that's what we need here. Good to know. Obviously, you can't afford my day rate, but you know, first one's free. Show you good. This, one, one's, this free. one's on the Thank house. Thank you to, so much. To show you what we're capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, I, I can remember saying to into my phone camera, uh, "Get ready." That was my advice um, to aspiring photographers who want to do this. But I will say that I think that notion of doing both while there were people who were doing it it wasn't at the time when i you know in that early 2000s it was like there might have been some people who aspired to to do that or whatever but um it took a lot of convincing uh on the art side yeah i was i was gonna say i was gonna say the commercial guys they want what they want and they're gonna pay you for it and you're good but the the art world is less forgiving well it was just like a question of like is that morally sound somehow you know it's like you're already sold out so you can't really sell out twice in two different (laughs) worlds you know or something (laughs) you you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube exactly (laughs) but but for me it was again it was like a thing that um my interests or whatever were in terms of photo history did not align with in a sort of like traditional like where in art school i might be learning uh about conceptual photography or you know things that preceded it like you know things that i loved uh, all of it but like lee friedlander i loved lee friedlander Mm -hmm. but you know these things felt like they were in a historical line from basically from the 50s you know like the decisive moment let's say cartier-bresson to contemporary time with like appropriation cindy sherman richard prince like Mm -hmm. you know different things that you would learn in school and at some point I think it was, I don't know if it was like I saw an Outer Bridge image and was like, yes, that is correct uh, or what. But, you know, I, I think it, I was at the same time, like sort of interested in this idea of, um, you know, an early 20th century, late 19th century photography movement that was called pictorialism. And that was like one of those things that was just that was truly forbidden. Like you couldn't like if somebody in a critique said, it's very pictorialist. I would have taken that as an insult, you know? So Mm. it became this like taboo that I was like, I need to know more about pictorialism. Why does it bother people so much? Why does it bother me? And then, you know, I started to understand how this, like the history of photography could be uh, telling me something about right now in terms of like what, what my interest was, which, you know, was like somewhere between whatever bride's day magazine at big star or uh <laughs> you know william eggleston or you know whatever but what was interesting to me was the split between stieglitz who was more the art guy and clarence white who was the guy who was teaching people how to make applied photography commercial photography and it's like once the image could be reproduced like in a paper or magazine format that changed everything you know that then it it that schism became the thing where you could choose to be one or the other an artist or could choose to be a commercial person and 
I guess like to me, that was like the most interesting thing. And, you know, it was like, it also like the outer bridge, the Americana kind of like large format, that color, that staged feeling of artificiality that like, you know, I loved from David Lynch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these qualities of like suffocating Americanness, you know, that was like, <laughs> yes, I, I know that all too well growing up, you know, in Dunwoody, Georgia. Uh, and, you know, to some degree, I, maybe, maybe the exotic side of that is like, I spent my first 10 years in South Dade. I grew up, I was born in Miami. So, you know, between that sort of like, you know, lizards and, you know, like <laughs> fishing to like, you know, church and football, you know, it's yeah. like all of those things like combined <laughs> together or something. I love, <laughs> we take an x-ray of, of row and that's what we see. We got lizards, church, football, you know, it's a little it's, CTE, yeah. a little, <laughs> it's just a, Rose got that lizard in him. He's got, <laughs> got that lizard. Yeah. I mean, you're. That um that kind of that American suffocation. I I mean like when you look at your the one of your most iconic photos of the refrigerator, it is you know there's no there are no people in it whatsoever, but it just conveys that you know if you were there in 1999 and you had a refrigerator, you know like what stuck out to me when I was looking at the image again was like there were stickers on the cabinets. Uh-huh. And like the thought of doing that right now in my house yeah. right. is just so yeah. insane. But yeah. back yeah. then it was kind of normal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just all yeah. those little things and it just takes you right back. Yeah. If you yeah, if you had a ref- yeah, the refrigerator is clean now, but there was a time where the refrigerator was kind of like the almost the centerpiece of the kitchen. It's like where information would come from. Like the calendar was there. Right. The pictures were there, you know, like the, it was the hub. Yeah. It was the hub, yeah. the football stuff, like the magnets, the whole thing like that doesn't, it was like family history. But, yeah. But according to mom and like, you know, that's, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's, exactly. It's mom is the curator of this museum <laughs> and you cannot fuck around with mom's curation. Like if you touched something, if you moved something, it was like somehow magically moved back, you know, it was like, Oh, I thought I took that up. If you touch my grocery list, go and get the switch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gonna draw back enough. You gonna draw back enough. <laughs> no, that's true. That's really yeah. Really Row, how often does the how often does the country come back out in you, or is this the first time it's happened in a long time? No, it, I'm sure that it does. Uh, you know, I think when I, I my aunt Paula lives in East Tennessee, like two miles from the North Carolina border. You know, it sounds. So hilarious that that you know hillbilly kind of uh, country accent, but I'm sure that that I have that whatever that like my mom did this too, and probably we all do it like the chameleon thing where you start to kind of like sound like the other person. Guilty. Yeah. Right. And so, so I think there's a little bit of that, but I, I just when you were asking me about that, I can remember was probably like a year or two after I moved to New York and I would call home. <laughs> and it was like when I finally realized like, Jesus Christ, can you guys talk faster? Like I yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't have like, to be anywhere, but it's just taking too long. To it's just it. annoying me. It's like fuck. You got a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette and you're like, all right, get to the point, guys. I'm a yeah, I yeah, live what? in New York now, so it's different. Finish the sentence. <laughs> I I, I joke I joke with you. My mom sounds like I I like my mom sounds like that for real. You know, and people think I'm kidding. I'm like, no, my mom talks like that. And it's like <laughs> 
totally normal. You know, that's just what that's that's what it is. Yeah. But when I moved to New York, I had a similar experience where it was like some of my southern manners and like niceties, people do not respond well to, and I had to relearn. Like, right. you don't need to. You can't say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. People think you're calling them old. Shit exactly. like that. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, dude, I just I don't know what to tell you. This is what I was I was taught this. This is my whole life. You know? I know. Yeah, I mean, Chris, how do you feel when somebody when like a fucking twenty three year old piece of shit calls you sir? <laughs> don't you feel old? I feel old. But I think I recognize that I I'll be like, no guys, I know who Bad Bunny is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, like I'm no. not like the other guy. Hey, hey, I watched I, no, I've seen Euphoria <laughs> one episode. No, I think that it's um I think that I recognize my position in the world and that to someone of that age, 40 is old. Right. So I don't really I I, I don't think it nothing really makes me feel old. I have to be honest. Like I don't ever feel Damn. like maybe body stuff like when my elbows acting up i'm like damn this wouldn't have happened if i was 25 yeah but like maybe otherwise. maybe when you're on your 16th leave back and muscle that day <laughs> does that do you feel old at that moment when i tell when i call you and say i can't podcast today because I've, I've ruined my liver from a leave then maybe <laughs> yeah. i guess i would i would kind of well, I, I guess everything. i guess speaking of aging ro um i don't want to i don't want to age all of us completely but you know, you, you let's say you got a little, you know, around a decade on us, but you look the same age as us. So yeah, what's the deal? Drop the beauty routines. What's the deal? Do you have serums that we don't know about? Mm. Is it just clean living? What's your secret? I mean, if you if you Google search back, mm, it starts around. <laughs> I, I quit drinking December tenth, twenty sixteen. Okay. Uh, and uh, as, as I was saying before, I, I'll, I'll have a bitters and ginger ale or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that I looked old then. But there are pictures of me that are online, and I'm like. Fuck, man, I'm like about to pop. You know what I mean? Like I was like pushing, pushing maximum density there. So I think there is something. There's probably something genetic or you know whatever late bloomerish. You know, like I was like uh, yeah. like didn't develop quick. You know, I had a childlike appearance into my adolescence or something. You know, um, something. You know, I don't know. I, it doesn't really. I, I did, have not done anything in particular. I smoke. I drink coffee all the fucking time. I drank so much tequila that when I quit, I actually felt bad for Malane's, which was the place across the street from me. Because I was like, man, putting their kids through they college, need so this much money. Patron in the back, they're just like, what are we going to do with this tequila now? We order a case a month for this fucking guy, and he's not showing up anymore. This is bullshit. This fucking problem. I'm stuck up. I mean, we hear it all the time from people who, when you talk to somebody and they, you know, had a big weight loss thing or something like that, and they're like, what, "What's your story?" I'm like, "Oh, I just stopped drinking, and Always. I lost thirty pounds in a month." Like, how 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 fast did the pounds come off once you quit drinking? It was it was twenty five pounds in six weeks. I do remember that, and it you know it was like it was. I know it wasn't just from drinking. It was because like, you know, at 11 o'clock, it's like, <laughs> you know, after the pints and the tequilas and the whatever, it's like, I think I'm going to have a cheeseburger. Yeah, and yeah I think sure. We're going to put bacon on that at 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not a good time to eat a bacon cheeseburger. And then for some reason, you're still hung over in the morning. So you have to have a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich as well. You know, and that's you're it. double bacon, egging and cheesing is the yeah. problem. Okay. I mean, that's honestly, that's what it is. That's I think that's what it is for most people. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, I, I can't smoke weed because I just get the munchies. And I can't stop eating. For me, it was always alcohol. And just like you said, yeah, same. 2 a.m. 
Seems like a great time to order nachos. Let's fucking do it. Calamari. Let's get nachos and calamari. <laughs> Let's get nachos. Calamari and- at two a.m. What the fuck? Where are you going? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know they sold calamari at White Castle. And if they do, I don't think you should be eating it. <laughs> <laughs> that seems risky, dude. That seems no, my, risky, bro. The, the pub that was across the street from me, I used to say it was like a. It was kind of like my airport bar. You know what I mean? They sort of had everything yeah. on the menu. Like too many things on the menu, <laughs> um, and you should, probably shouldn't be ordering it. But it's like, fuck, man, I'm, you know, I'm gonna be really hungover if I don't eat something right greasy right now. You, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's they they knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> um, sp- speaking of uh, some some slightly older photos, I saw a photo of you. I think it was 2019, maybe. And uh, you were, I think you were just like hanging out. Maybe there was a dog around. You were smoking a cig, but you were wearing. You 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 did something that I've never or I've rarely seen somebody successfully pull off. You were wearing flip flops with socks, and it was working. Uh huh. Tell me how. <laughs> Tell me how to do that. <laughs> Where do you get your powers from? How did you do it? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's not. It doesn't work for everybody, and uh, I have a good no shit. <laughs> <laughs> let me remind you let me remind you jason it doesn't work for i mean everybody. i guess that's a little bit of the the tallahassee in you coming out or yeah it's, it's like a key it's a 100%. key west swag maybe i think it's like uh it's a little bit japanese yeah okay so you have the you know japanese do the you know you wear the thongs and the sock thing but it's also um like you know dirty south like long socks with flip-flops is like a look, you know? So like, <laughs> I don't rap. I've never rapped. Uh, I could see you hopping out of the donk on Moreland in the socks and flip-flops <laughs> to grab a soda from the from the gas station. Yeah, but I mean, a lot a lot of rappers will wear socks with like a Nike slide or maybe uh, wear a, the slide. Yes, a Tom Ford slide, but you're talking about a thong where yeah. the sock is becoming tabbied whether it wants toe. to or not. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, went, you went camel toe on the foot. He's got them on right now at the Javianas. <laughs> you know, I, I'm proud of you, Ro, because I expected nothing less from you, but Javianas is the only brand of flip-flops that is acceptable for men, in my opinion. I agree. Some people, uh, you know, like rainbows, which are the more expensive, kind. you know what I'm talking about, like a little more substantial. But to me, a flip-flop should be the most non-substantial piece of footwear possible. Yes. Like, I want this shit to blow away in the wind yeah. if, it, if it's, you know, if a gust comes. The, those ones that, you know, when I was a kid that, that uh, you know, I guess like, by the time you know i was coming up there was other options but it's those ones that are like literally like you said like almost lighter than air the foam yes yeah seems to almost levitate you know it's like like when you go get a when you go get a pedicure and they're gonna give you the free yeah the free yeah the slip-ons yeah yeah yeah. that are that are kind of they seem to be biodegradable yeah like some cove water when you started don't do that when you started um when you started shooting fashion, like real fashion, did you make some maybe errors in your look? Cause you were like, damn, I I'm like exposed to this now. I'm going to try some new stuff. Or did you kind of hold the line throughout your career with your own look? No, man. You know, y'all, y'all know the preppy handbook. Remember that? I don't know. That's of when, course, you're, the classic. when you're babies. Uh, this was, this was a thing that we all, you know, it was like a American phenomenon of like, you know, everybody knew yeah. and there's like preppy punk and there's this and, and like, I guess I went through lots of stages, you know, with like hair color, you know, from that until I was 20 or something like that. And then I realized like, oh, you know, the collared shirt with the 
sweater is like, you know, like it makes me seem like I'm normal. <laughs> and that's a great trick, you know, because I'm, yeah. I don't think that I am, but because <laughs> I look the way I do and I dress the way I do, I appear to be normal. Uh, and I guess I just sort of went with that. And, you know, when I, I remember seeing uh, Pavement at the Masquerade with about 20 yeah. other people, it was their first show, first show in Atlanta. And seeing Malkmus and, and you know, uh, they, basically they all were dressed like how I, I was dressed. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, kind of sucked, but in the best possible way. <laughs> and it was like, it was like the pinnacle of slack with that, like, you know, the, the vestige of the preppy handbook, but it's kind of faded. It's not grunge. It's not flannel. It's not like ugh, dreadlocks. <laughs> it's like, like suburbanish or you know whatever that is like a sort of like yeah yeah thing and so i mean malcolmus is the is the godfather of that look and it's very i know exactly what you think i mean no, well it, i mean it, it sounds like roe is the godfather of that look were you watching pavement play and being like these motherfuckers stole my whole fucking swag well the, the, the truth <laughs> is that i think they were they they you should give them godfather credit because they they definitely were out in front um in front of the camera right they had the they had the mic so you got to give them credit yeah but it was the way that we dressed in Atlanta to identify not so much as a thing, but as not a thing. You know what I mean? It was to like, yeah, yeah. To, un to unname yourself was like more liberating than to say like, well, I, you know, I was straight edge, but now I'm, you know, just hardcore or, you know, I was yeah. a skater and now I'm, you know, whatever. It's, you know? yeah, it, it's uh, that, I mean, that to me feels like nineties kind of like a certain kind of like slackerism for lack of a better term, you know, where it was like, mm -hmm. I, I don't care about anything and my clothes are almost so plain yeah. <laughs> that it, that it, it, it shows that yeah. even, even though that in itself is a look, yeah. you know, yeah. everything's a look. You yeah. can't avoid Whenever, it. I mean, I love that look of of a, a nice sweater over a collared shirt. Classic, amazing look. But whenever I try to wear it, I always wear it like at a rave or something, like a, at the wrong place. And people <laughs> look at me like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. what kind of class do you teach? Yeah, but dude, you're you're six foot five or something. So like, they're going to be looking at you no matter what you're wearing, dude. You're, it's a very good like, point, man. It's a very good point. <laughs> I, I often get told that I look like a cop in certain situations because of the way I dress. So I, I get it. I wasn't going to say anything, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally wearing a, sh a collared shirt with a sweater over it. So it's... <laughs> I always... <laughs> find myself subconsciously I just, i'm always filming chris for some reason <laughs> yeah yeah just in case just in case he does something yeah just in yeah. case i never know what this guy's gonna do so I can, jason i jason actually wears the body cam in our relationship it's weird <laughs> but also there's something that i love about wearing you know a collared shirt and a and a nice cashmere sweater to a fucking rave because like you said like you are <clears throat> you're so ambiguously dressed and you just look so painfully normal people look at you in that setting and they're like what the fuck is this guy up to what is he doing right why is he dressed like this he, is he more punk than i am in some weird uh, yeah. way you know like exactly 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 I, I i loved at the end of the book you have you know everyone has a little blurb you know thanking people and things like that and you had a line in there that said you know very common in any book like there's too many people to thank over the years blah 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 but you 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 kind of put out the call to action if you are a person who helped make one of these images with me over the last two decades and i forgot to thank you in it send me a dm and i'll put your name in the next book <laughs> so i have my question is have there been any retouchers or pas or hair artists that were 
<laughs> mentally insane enough to send you a DM and be like, bro, 97, I fucking did this guy's hair and you didn't put my name in the book. What the hell? Yeah, no, I actually, I don't, uh, you know, I guess I need to check, go back and check the DMs again. <laughs> um, but no, no one has has written to say I, I helped you on that and you didn't name me, but several people have... Um, written to say you fucking idiot we worked together for five years and you still misspell my name <laughs> okay i'm so okay. sorry <laughs> so kind of one of your go-to people and you couldn't remember you couldn't remember how to spell well, you name. know it's that thing where you 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 do this stuff when you think that you're the boss author and you write it out and you're like okay assistant and you take it from here and you make sure that and then it's like and don't worry if you don't get it right because there's copy editors and they'll check it mm. and of course then you get the book back and it's like oh shit nobody, nobody did anything <laughs> so this is just like my stream of conscious spelling you know <laughs> like, and they're like ro you're the godfather of my kid could you please spell my name right for it's, once it's ah. ashley with the ey we've talked about this <laughs> but I, I thought i thought that was very genuine and sweet of you and also just refreshingly hilarious to be like, you know, this book's going to sell out pretty soon. We'll print another, from, you know, 10,000. <laughs> if I forgot to put your name in it, Holla. send me a, as if you don't, as if yeah. you have enough time to deal with somebody DMing you <laughs> for, you know, a photo credit from 2001. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you know, it was, it was refreshing. Today was a little bit busy, but I will have some time tomorrow. So you guys go ahead and send it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, the lines are open callers. The lines are open. <laughs> I wanted to ask if, you know, I wanted to ask you to give us at least one, you know pg-13 to r larry gagosian story if you have any okay you know what i mean if you have any that you you feel willing to share just because i want to add to kind of the mythic legend uh you know if we can do our part okay. how long gone okay i'm i'm collating as mentally <laughs> trying to filter out something rotron 3000 is computing <laughs> please hold <laughs> Uh, I remember um, several conversations. Uh, I think we've had lunch, I don't know, a handful of times at Capo, uh, which is at 976 Madison, the sushi place. He eats lunch there every day. Mm -hmm. And I've had the good fortune of having several lunches with him. Every day? Pretty much. And I just want to make, just to be clear, he does pick up the tab. I mean, he owns the restaurant, so... I guess. I'm not paying for it. I mean, how often has the guy ever been like, you know, sushi, I think I'm good today. Do you want to grab anything else? You're like, I can't eat sushi five days a week. Well, I think they make other stuff. They cook food. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it's not all just sushi. But um, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. I'm no, it's okay. Um, but I do remember I was explaining that I was going to, I had this idea for the show in San Francisco. Uh, like just, you know, always trying to, trying to figure out another way to get an image into the gallery without it having to be a framed uh, addition to artwork. And so yeah, yeah. using a new process, I, I could print onto tile. And so I was explaining, and then I was going to print onto mirrors and print onto tile. And I, I thought about it and went through my whole pitch. And he's like, you know, kind of looking at me seemingly maybe not listening i don't know and then he's like and i finish and he's like well nobody's gonna fucking buy that <laughs> he's like i'm gonna let you finish chief he's like i'm not paying for that are you done idiot <laughs> yeah you know what i'm in the business of it's called making money so we're not gonna do that one. so did you ever end up printing on tile or mirror 
did not, but I <laughs> I did wind up printing um, on brass. Okay, and put it, but put it in frames, and uh, and the pictures of my sort of muse, uh, Louise Parker, who's been in a bunch mm-hmm. of my pictures, and the, those brass pictures are actually in the in the book. It's like they look like you know sort of brass colored background with a black and white double exposure on top. And those sold very well. So very fuck well. you, Larry. You were right. Yeah. Tell rem, I'm I'm sure you let Larry know that you had to big no. dick him and be like, remember those, bitch? Like No, no. <laughs> How's my dick taste, Larry? <laughs> no, yeah. You get ten percent of nothing. You happy now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't think I can get fired, but uh you guys are trying. No, he was right though. He was right in that that you know it needs to have a frame and it needs to go on the wall that that does works wonders you know that does work wonders well i think that somebody is listening to this podcast right now who can afford to have their next bathroom guest bathroom tiled with one of one yeah row photograph just dm me you know like dm me just to kind of cc your interior designer on the on the message and we'll kind of get started once we decide on budget we'll take it from there budget i mean that sounds like a fabrication nightmare but i'm glad you figured it out right you know i mean i i I know it can be done that's all yeah i haven't done it yet i know it can be done no i think that's i think that's a fun i think because i do think i don't know i mean i think that like that Wolfgang Tillman show at the MoMA and the fact that like almost nothing was in a frame like in that environment, it was pretty powerful, you know? And I oh, think, sure, yeah. And I think that like, but I do understand that like buying something you want, like it's a mental thing. We're taught that like if you're buying art, it is in a frame. Yeah. It's like we can't unlearn that. And dude, if you buy a Tillman's, you're getting it in a frame. You don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Into the wall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. They're they're, you know, professionally framed glazed art objects. If I'm buying a a pair of row trousers, you know, I want them to come in a nice bag. Yeah, exactly. with a nice tag on them. I got the dust cover, you know, a little bit of everything. I mean, that's what I want the box with- to feel nicer than it should feel. Man, I tried to do I I did a uh, I do have I'm this is what I'm plugging. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Ready? Let's cue music uh row by row uh i got some t-shirts for sale at polychronic the polychronic.com okay uh but uh yeah it's like i I, when i first tried to make apparel merchandise stuff it was like you know that packaging i was like really obsessed with like getting i got a stamp made so i would like you know sort of stamp everything a bunch and put it in a little box and try to make the packaging do something man i i was fucking (laughs) losing my mind the fulfillment aspect was like taking up more time than anything else it was so insane i was just like you know what those plastic those white plastic bags just Mm -hmm. stuff the shirt into the white plastic bag and send it you know oh man that's fine we we have we have a robust merch program here at how long gone that's a big part of our business Uh and once we found a partner that we just send art to and everything else they handle it oh wow it's life it's life-changing i mean obviously they charge a fee etc it's fine but like we never see anything until it's until it's done basically that's and it's like you know it's it's the only way to do it sustainably yeah i mean sustainable like mental health sustainable not like for the environment (laughs) oh yeah it's still in plastic of course but also you know you you come from that diy generation and you yeah you know it sounds fun and quaint and like a a tangible project to 
put all the shirts in a box and ship them and all that stuff. It is, and during COVID, when we started the podcast, we would do that, and it would be fun. Chris would come over, and we'd spend a couple hours, yeah, packaging and shipping them. And I'm like, oh, we did good stuff, and we made money. This is great. Yeah, it does get old quick. Um, yeah, but if you if you do need any help with some t-shirt stuff, we're more than happy to help out. The, I saw the shirt that you're talking about. It's like a black and white print of some. A portrait of some flowers, I believe. Yeah, that's from a, a great shirt. Thank you very much. Yeah, we did three little versions of it. Don't you do the? Don't you do like the the book title and like kind of like a collegiate style on the shirt too? I did a polychronic uh, one with my dog <laughs> on it and put polychronic at the bottom, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, and the dog's tongue is like really vulgar. It was like july okay, upstate okay. And just humid as fuck and the dog's tongue is like hanging out like six inches and really you know when a dog they're trying to cool off slobbery he's really wagging that thing i bet yeah so i did put graphics on that one that says polychronic on it but it doesn't i haven't done an american polychronic t-shirt i mean it yet, feels but. like it could be a university you know what i mean so i think maybe oh the polychronic oh you're right yes i did do the varsity shirt you're right what yeah, am i, I yeah. forgot about that one sorry dude yes we did uh like and we did it in um like so you could pick between Yale and Harvard. So that was that was the color scheme that we went with blue and white and crimson and yeah, gray crimson or whatever. And gray, of course. That's a, that's the, the Ivy League. Classic choices. But it's really more like DeVry. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> that's that's where I, I didn't even graduate from there, so I can relate. <laughs> it's Ivy League for the price of DeVry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what we believe in at Row by Row Etheridge. <laughs> row by row row by row has some serious kind of, you know, you guys you guys have a, a hard line on where you stand and you know <laughs> value is something that is important to you we're <laughs> yeah. coming for you old navy um yeah ro thank you so much for joining us on how long gone we had a blast um and guys go get the book um if you haven't there's a lot of books out there i'm sure you can find them on ebay or at karma or mast maybe uh or the polychronic.com also the oh you have it all there okay cool yeah go go direct well not everything just just the self-published okay. stuff that's maybe a little bit harder to find but um Come see me. Come DM me. Yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we'll we'll see you at El Mir. See you at El Mir. Um, you know, we'll see you at El Mir. Burritos on me. You and Jason can share some chips and guacamole. It's <laughs> nothing really. We have a corporate card. It's fine. It's fine. You guys are too generous, <laughs> Big spenders. You're so welcome. And I'll be in New York end of the month, and you can take me over to Gagosian Sushi Spot. Well, go. The, oh, just the the first the first level omakase is totally fine. I don't have to go crazy or anything. <laughs> no sake pairing at lunch. That's too much. That's too much. Yeah, dude, chill. Come on. Uh, yeah, let's not get crazy. Thanks, Ro. We appreciate you. Thanks, Ro. Hey, thank you so much, guys. That was fun. 